Yeah, well done. Yeah. Well done. We'll, we'll save those comments. For I mean, taping, I, suppose, yeah. I mean, I feel like this has what what Roar had, like being like this ridiculous film that just you know you just outrageous. have to see. Yeah. But it also was you know it was kind of enjoyable in a, in a, a much more. It's a better film. It's a better Roar. film yeah. for sure. Obviously, yeah. But I think that's the thing, right? Because there's a weird film. Yeah. But then there's a weird film that is also good and has some logic and it's yeah. reason why it's weird, if you know what I mean. Yeah. This, is, this is that, I think. We should save this for when we're sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, when we we're filming. No, we're gonna we're just we're just gonna include this in this little oh, you, have you pressed record cold open. Yeah, oh, okay, record. Cold open. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so we've already started, but we're doing House nineteen seventy seven. This is a John Riley pick. John A. Riley. Uh, directed by Obayashi. Um, starring seven random friends, seemingly <laughs> visiting aunties. I, I guess they're amateurs. Anyway, I'm Kevin, and I'm here with... Raph Marcinet. Raph Marcinet and... John Riley. And John Riley. And today we're talking House or Hausu. Hausu. Hausu on The Clueless Critic. Welcome back. Thank you. It's been a week. It has, yeah. <laughs> Long week. So House is a horror comedy. It tells the story of seven high schoolers visiting a country home and some supernatural events take place, kind of killing off the girls as it goes. Um, apparently, this, 19, this 1977 movie was in part inspired by Jaws and a little bit of Hiroshima in World War II because uh, Obayashi lost some of his childhood friends and was interested in the idea of a widow bitter from war turning evil over what was lost to her. Um, so anyway, this was a John Riley pick. So John, why did you pick this? Tough question, Kevin. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I guess I just think I like to watch a lot of international films, right? And I guess I just thought we should have an international focus, right? But more importantly than that, we, we shouldn't be watching some... Uh, dry epic of the European art film just to kind of uh, show off our cultural capital. Mm. This is a film that, that has my... Um, it kind of has my personality, right? It's colourful and fun, but then it turns into a horrible, disturbing nightmare. Just, <laughs> just as I will do over an evening's drink. Right? <laughs> I'll come off it. Um, so, so, but, it, but it's... Some of film is that it can be realistic and things like that, and other, and another strand of film is that it can be fantastical, and that's the side of film that I got into mm. when I was a kid. You know, Star Wars, which came out this same year. Imagine being mm. able to see both. Of wow! Those yeah. Within weeks of each other, Star Wars and Superman, and all those kind of special effects movies that were around when we were kids. That was what got me into film when I was a small child. And all right, I don't often what particularly care for the modern iteration of that but this this film you see i take that jaws thing i saw a lot of kind of comments on the internet that were saying like oh, it's funny that he this he was trying to make a jaws type film and he made this but it's a big exciting colorful blockbuster mm -hmm. with some semi-serious themes underlying it right and this is like a big colorful exciting film mm -hmm. that's how i got into film when i was a kid right and i get that same feeling from this mm -hmm. and as you'll know if you if you've read about it he consulted his daughter right and right. she talked yeah. about her kind of childhood fears of just the 
the piano is going to swallow me, the mattresses are going to kind of going to suffocate me. And those very real childhood mm. fears are put into into the film. So I don't know. I, t- I take this film very seriously in a, in a way, mm. even though it's totally ridiculous, <laughs> right? And there's yeah. bits, there's slapstick bits. The bit where the guy trips over a cat mm. and falls down the steps. and It's, it's got, Togo. Yes, and it's got this kind of Benny Hill-like quality to it, or it's mm-hmm. sped up. And he falls into a bucket, and now the bucket is kind of through the magic of stop motion going down a hill right 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 this is a silly film i know but yeah but i i I take it seriously in a way right right so that's why i picked it oh another thing i love the soundtrack to this oh yeah so the soundtrack was done by this band go diego who also supplied the soundtrack to the TV show Monkey, which I'm mm. thinking Raphael will know was a huge hit. Oh, in absolutely, yeah. I was a huge fan of Monkey. A I Japanese show from the same era that's based on the Chinese oh, wow. uh, literary epic Journey to the West. Mm. But this late 70s Japanese version adds this kind of like disco music. And mm. it's very, it's the same aesthetic mm. as House, isn't it? Yeah. A more low budget yeah. version of it. I hadn't thought of that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Mm. So many reasons why I chose this. Yeah, I like the the stop motion stuff. I like how it played with that medium, and it, there was like animation going on. There, there was like a lot of like playing with the medium that I thought was interesting. Mm. And um, like right away, like weird stuff is happening. They're doing blur shots. They're they're throwing you off early, just like in the mm. high school with the dissonant sound and the dissonant images, and you're like. Before anything weird plot-wise happens, you're already feeling weird yeah. and off-kilter from the sounds and the motions and the stop-motion stuff. It's a complete yeah. sensory yeah. overload, isn't it? Yeah. Even the way the music has been mixed into the film. Yeah. They're just chatting about something at the start, like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Yeah, precisely. And there's this bizarre music just yeah. kind of blasting out yeah. and completely throwing you off. Yeah. I love that bit. Yeah. yeah, like made me go, oh, this is different. This is weird. I haven't felt this before so quickly in a film. I was throwing me off on that. Yeah. What was your take, Raph? Yeah, I, I love this movie. Like, it, 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 it's a hoot. <laughs> it's one of the funnest movies you could watch. And um, I think, Kevin, you made a good point. Right from the get-go in this film, you know that you're not in for a normal film. Right. You know that the filmmaker's going to be doing whatever creative or artistic choice he wants to run with, or him and his daughter want to run with, he's just going to run with it. Yeah. You're going to be sitting on a train with an animated background. Right. doesn't matter. Right. It's all, it's all possible in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just love it. Um, I love... Even like... The, so there's a bit where um, Gorgeous... So the, Gorgeous is telling the story about her aunt... Right. And, the, and this is where the Hiroshima stuff comes in, and the war connection, I guess, first comes in. And he tells the story by sort of giving us some fake sepia tone footage of the aunt back in the day, and it's even framed in a film. Right. You know, yeah, shape. That film's tr- and I, I, that might be the first time I've seen that before. That's been borrowed yeah. a lot since then. I guess so, like, yeah. I think Wes Anderson, like, has yeah. used that and probably yeah. took it from this before I feel and and whereas the we as the viewer are watching this film as gorgeous tells us the story about her aunt 
But then all her friends are at the same time saying, oh, oh, doesn't she look pretty there? Or don't they look happy? Yeah. It's yeah, like they're all fun. watching the film. That was a fun decision. You know what I mean? I did, yeah. I did make a mental note of that too. Yeah. It was a fun decision, how they're commenting on it yeah. as it's happening. Yeah. Right? It feels like that this editing process and the storyboarding, or there was no storyboarding going on right. with the way that this film was shot, like this improvised, mm. let's do this meta-commentary as it's going. Yes. That's yes. impossible to like... Yes. Right out in advance. Yes, they've just, they've just, the filmmakers just made this decision right from the get go. That this film is not going to. John, you made the point that the film works as a film. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It has an end. It works perfectly well, you know, as mm. as a film. Mm -hmm. And yet, it, they've just decided to tell it in this very non-standard way, where the the meta element. There's no rules of reality here. Everything's everything's possible. Anything's possible in this mm. film, and you get that right from the get go. Right, and then it just runs with it for the entire film, and right. and the whole the, it's a hoot the entire way. Right, uh, it's a, it's a, I, I love it. It's it's a beautiful, creative, yeah, incredible piece of film. And yeah. I think as well, just to just to add to that, it's if you try to explain the cause and effect and all this kind of stuff of this film, yeah. right. it doesn't really no. make any sense, but no. it does make sense as you're watching it. If sure. You know I mean? they're, yeah. they're using a different kind of narrative yeah. logic. This wouldn't work as a... This swimmer in our previous episode was a short story. This right. wouldn't really work in a right, right. literary form, let's say. Yeah. But sticking all those images together and like you said, just having suddenly everyone can watch the flashback and suddenly comment on it. Right. This is stuff that only really would work in a film. Right. So he's using the medium in the most... Pure way, yeah. Pure medium-specific yeah, yeah. kind of way. Yeah. yeah. It, it could work in like a cartoon, you know? Mm -hmm. There's a sort of cartoon logic to this film. It yeah. almost operates like a cartoon. Yeah, because there's... You got... I mean, once you're in the house, once you get to the house, I feel like the rule is... Next scene, mini scene, mini scene, mini scene. It doesn't matter as long as we keep this thing rolling, right? So I do feel like that's that's cartoony in a way. Like a, a cartoonist can put in like like the door waves, like when it gets slammed. I'm yeah. just gonna do this weird little scene now. Yeah. That won't that won't mess anything up. It's fun. Yeah. We'll just keep yeah. it going. Weird scene, weird scene, weird scene. Yeah. One after the other. So yeah, I loved it. I lo I loved every little piece of it. I loved the watermelon. I yeah. love the piano. The piano scene was one of my favorites. And I just loved how everyone just kind of like went with it, you know? And the way they set you the way they set you up early on with that weird purple sky that keeps showing up at the mm. high school and at dad's house, you mm. know, like it's impossible, right? Yeah. That scene looks absolutely amazing when she's yeah. out on the balcony, I think, yeah, talking yeah, to yeah. her dad. Well, has he been yeah. Working on a film with Sergio Leone. Yeah. Yes, he, he mentioned like, Sergio yeah, Leone. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he does. So we're yeah. dealing with a very cine literate person yeah, yeah. who yes. knows all these references, right? Yeah. This isn't just some kind of bonkers hillbilly who's seen Jaws and thinks that he can copy right, right. This is someone who knows exactly yeah, yeah. what he's doing. He knows mm. all that stuff. But just that scene is like, the sky is absolutely mm. amazing, isn't yeah. it? It doesn't have to mm. be. That could just be in a room. Right. Yeah. And then it's, by the way, you've got a new stepmother and she kind of steps out in this exaggerated, soft focus right. way. Right. Yeah. Well, the whole, the whole presentation is exaggerated in that kind of fun film way. And they keep on doing that with the visuals. Like, I like when uh, they arrive in the town where the auntie lives 
Mm. The bus pulls up, and after mm. it had that weird projection thing in the background, mm. right? They pull up to a bus stop, and like the background, mm. it's a beautiful countryside. The background's yes. idyllic, but then they happen to have like this over the top idyllic bus stop. That's yes. blocking the already natural, beautiful scenery. Yes. So it's like this, like hat on a hat, in yes. this kind of funny way. Yeah. Isn't the bus stop mural a painting of the background? Uh, yeah, I think so. Something like that's. Going I think on. it is, and yeah. we begin seeing the mural, right? Because it's a, a right. close up of the, yeah. the bus stop. You might assume there is no nice background. Yeah. And then they pull out, then and they you pull see back, it. the background's the same as the mural. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful in its own right. So I thought about that. Um, Almost every scene in this movie yeah. is some kind of creative touch right. like that, isn't it? All mm-hmm. the way through, and it never lets up, and it's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of interesting framing. A lot of, uh, especially early on, he does like uh, he plays with the wipes in a mm-hmm. very intentional way. He's calling attention to like a star wipe or a side yes. wipe or an up wipe that normally you, you wouldn't do, but he's like saying, "Look what I'm doing." Yeah. Come with me on this thing that I'm doing. Now I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. But you know who else likes to play with wipes? Who? Right, two people, okay. very relevant to this conversation. Akira Kurosawa. Oh, yeah. So, Obayashi is actually, as well he might be from for his generation, he's kind of like a, a fan of the classic Japanese cinema. I saw an interview with him where he's talking about Ozu and Kurosawa and all that kind of thing. So, and Kurosawa had those those wipes that he used all the time, just sideways ones, not the crazy ones that he's using. But what this, the weird kind of connection that it made in my brain is that this is George Lucas as well, right? Because oh, he, yeah. Because Lucas he's also mm-hmm. obsessed with classical Japanese cinema, using these wipes, but using them to create mm-hmm. this big, colourful, exciting, bombastic blockbuster, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he was trying to do with, with House. Right. So it's just, that Jaws thing mm-hmm. is a, Almost like a red herring, right? Because I mm. think of this as more like a Star Wars yeah. film somehow, if, if you know yeah. what I mean, in that it's a big... Jaws was a big summer blockbuster, yeah. but Star Wars was the big summer blockbuster with monsters and special effects and mm. colourful mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so it's just the, the weird intertextual way my brain works, but mm. perhaps you can see some logic to it. Well, I do. I, I didn't know about the Jaws connection, but I did see a... a uh, the, a comment from the director that he said something like when they made this film they'd absorbed all of the horror film before it he made that i read that sort of comment mm. i didn't know about jaws specifically but you can see that in this film yeah that, i think that, i think that, the only jaws connection right forgive me if I'm wrong it's like the yeah. studio said we want you to do a jaws like thing yeah like jaws was a big movie try to do something like that yeah, it right. was probably a throwaway comment. yeah right. yeah, yeah right. Right. that this is the latest big movie do something big right yeah well, it, it got thrown away because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't think there's anything of that in there. But yeah. but there's a scene on the train where someone's reading a horror movie magazine, which oh, is a nice little touch. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's the book um, by Dennis Gifford. The, oh, okay. the, um, I have a copy of it back at <laughs> my parents' house. And when you see that, if, if we're talking about the same bit, yeah, it's not even that someone's reading it. It's just propped up on an empty seat on the train. Yes. And you, this is the kind so. of thing I like, right? Obvious references to obscure things I like mm-hmm. oh I've got that book this must be a good yeah, film nice. yeah. no one who yes. owns that book could make a bad movie <laughs> so what do we think right you mentioned earlier on Raphael about oh. gorgeous and yeah. just for listeners who haven't seen it mm. all of the girls in this film 
Mm-hmm. They they have a nickname, right? There's Gorgeous, who is attractive. Right. There's Prof, who is intelligent. Mm-hmm. There's Melody, who can play the piano. Mm-hmm. There's Kung Fu, who can do, who kung, can fu. do, do kung Fu. fu. Yeah. Fantasy. Fantasy. Yes. I don't know what that is. She's just a daydreamer. Well, she's she she's catching on to the problem before everyone else. She sees like mm. Auntie go in the refrigerator, so they think she's fantasizing that that Auntie is doing this and that she's making it up. And and there's Sweet who is sweet, right? And finally there's Mac who, who likes, likes to eat food. To eat food. <laughs> is that Mac as a Big Mac? I was wondering it's about meant that. to be yeah. Big Mac, yeah. Mac who likes food so much that when she disappears because she's been tragically killed, yeah. the other girls think that she went to a field to dig some potatoes out of the earth <laughs> yeah, and be eat Mac. them without cleaning them. That's yeah. right. That'd be Mac. <laughs> So, but this is another canny thing, right? Because mm. in the 90s, this is what Simon Fuller did with the Spice Girls. He segmented mm. his audience into, and he refined that with S Club 7, who weren't as famous internationally. He figured out there's basically seven kinds of kind of uh, early teen pop fans, mm. and I'll make these archetypes to cater to each one of those people so that they're all catered to within my band. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's done in quite a pointed way, mm-hmm. I think. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's r- extremely overt in the movie, yeah, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. But but my yeah, question my question was do do people? I remember reading this review. Now I've never seen the film, but the remake of Saint Trinians that came out about ten years ago, and in the review they just said that there are these different groups right you've got like the smart girls and the rebellious girls and the geeky girls oh wait i said that one already didn't i but you see my point right Mm. and uh i don't know the film mean girls which Mm. uh one of my favorite films actually maybe we Mm. could do an episode about mean girls Mm, i know you would love that rafael (laughs) Um, maybe uh so tina fey uh but do people actually enjoy to an extent? We've seen this craze recently in Korea, and perhaps mm. we're here in Korea, perhaps it's going on elsewhere, mm. of the MBTI personality thing, right? Mm-hmm. Do we enjoy categorizing ourselves and kind of putting ourselves and our friends into these little categories? I think that if we do, that's mm. kind of what this film is playing with a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, I don't know. I, didn't, I, I didn't don't think know much of it in that direction. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Now that you bring that to the fore, I don't know what I thought of that. Actually, the fact that these characters are gorgeous and Mac and whatever, I I don't know what I thought of that. I don't think I read much into it. I just think I I thought of it as part of the ridiculous fantasy of it all. But yeah, what does it mean? Mm. And and they certainly run with that all the way through. You know what I mean? Whenever, whenever someone has to do something smart, well, prof has to do that. Mm-hmm. The piano in the living room, obviously, that's for Melody to deal yeah. with. Mm-hmm. You know, and as you said, I just love Melody. By the way, I yeah. just love that scene. It's my favorite scene in the movie. Is the piano scene? I have yeah. to say, like to me, that was like the highlight of the movie. Like yeah. the weirdness of it. Yeah. Like. Oh, Melody, we're having a rough time. You know, like, people are dying everywhere and the house is eating us. Can you play us a little song? (laughs) And so she starts playing the song and the piano starts eating her. And it's just amazing because she's, like, screaming and laughing and, like, her limbs are being flown off, her fingers, her hands, and the piano starts eating her, right? And it's just, ah, it's just, like, my favorite weird scene where I'd, like, love to watch again. 
Yeah. You know, like to me, like that's like the YouTube clip that you go, have you heard of this movie? Right. Okay, you got to watch this scene. Just watch this scene with me. There's, the, there's the clip, yeah. Right. It's also kind of my line of the movie, right? If we're, if we're picking a favorite line, it's like this weird thing's happening where she's being eaten and like her head's being eaten and her arm's being thrown off. And then all of a sudden, like her head kind of floats down from above and she sees her legs being eaten by the piano and she says, oh my, that's naughty. And she's kind of smiling, right? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> and Wrong. Like, but like, of course, the other girl in the room is like screaming because like her ar- her arm has just been thrown into a fishbowl, uh, right? And so like the like that dissonance yeah. isn't just with the visuals and the musics; it's also with the the feelings, right? Yeah. That are happening. With she's smiling, she's laughing, she's screaming. The other girl's obviously terrified about what's going on. But this death scene is so weird. There's a magic going on. It's the most supernatural scene, in my opinion. Mm. With like the piano eating her, the keys doing weird stuff, the mm. lights playing. He's doing more things with like the lights in that scene and like what yeah, what reality is acceptable with the head floating down. So to me, that's the most fun scene and the most like that that makes me scream. Oh, this is what it means to watch Haosu. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a favorite line from this movie? Well, um, I don't really have a favorite line. Sorry, John. Um, But my my favorite sort of like line and scene combined sure sure it, the line itself doesn't mean very much but it's right. more the the sort of visuals when they meet that watermelon seller oh, with yeah. that ridiculous character yeah. you know and they're asking about where is where is the house they go yeah. visit their auntie and there's this wonderful little shot that i just think is so cool and so clever and so just almost sums up the whole movie we get a sort of telescope view we get a little circle view of the house on the hill and we get his hand stuck in the little telescope view pointing up there and he just goes, that's it, the house. <laughs> right. That's my favourite line. I just love that little scene. Yeah, I do remember that. little telescope scene with the house, his hand yeah. in the scene yeah. pointing up there. It's so, it's so artificial. It's so yeah. fantastical. It's so contrived. Yeah. This whole movie, all the visuals are it, just so remi- manipulated in a mm. wonderful way. It and, felt and it felt Lynchian to me. Seconds. Yeah, that's it right. It felt really Lynchian. It felt kind of like Blue Velvet. Something about like the fake bird at the end, yes. right? Of yes, Blue Velvet, that's where you're right. like, we're like, why is he using this fake bird? It's like yes. it's to call attention to yes. it in this weird way. And there's a fake bird in house too when they arrive. Oh, yeah, yeah. When they arrive, the owl swoops down. That's right, that, in a very obviously yeah. fake way. And one of the girls goes, huh? And yeah. even responds to it. Yeah, yeah. And again, I love in this film how, yeah. how the, the characters are even responding to the weirdness of their own film at times, you know? Mm. But that moment also kind of sets it up as this epic. It's on an epic level, yes. isn't it? It's not just a house down the yes, street. It's, the it's kind of Dracula's yeah. castle on yeah, the hill right. surrounded by rocks and lightning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's heightening everything as well, isn't it? Uh, I, don't, I don't have a favourite... Quote from the, it's not really a dialogue driven film, no. is it? Uh, but uh, I think it's it's just a moment, right? And I can't even remember who it is who goes out to get the to kind of see where Mac is mm. and to go to the well. Who is it? Who is it? Prof? I don't remember. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe. It's oh no, it's Kung Fu. It's isn't Kung it? Fu. It is it's Kung, Kung Fu because she kicks. 
Yes. Yeah. So, and uh, Mac has already been gotten by the house mm. at this point, mm. and her severed head comes out and bites <laughs> Kung Fu's buttocks. Yes. yes. But then the head, the severed head, kind of like turns to the side, and just for a second, like she sort of gently nuzzles herself yeah. against her. But it's not. It's not that. That's. Uh, I'm not set, trying to tell all of our three listeners that that's my fetish. It's just a look on Mac. It's just a look on Mac's face as she does that. This look of like pure glee, uh, which is what the film is, right? Uh, Even as you're getting eaten by the piano, you're yeah. just like, this is funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is. You know, yeah. like this is ridiculous. These characters are always aware of the ridiculousness that they're within. Yes, yeah. and you feel like. There's an element of like, are they even all really dead? Will they just kind of come back like the cartoonness yeah. of it? Are they just going to kind of pop up the next morning like, like Roadrunner? Yeah. Or, you know, like something in a Tom and Jerry cartoon, right? You don't feel yeah. like this has had this real weight to it. If there was a house two and they were all just in it again, it, you wouldn't bat an eye. You would not it. bat an eye. <laughs> I, would be yeah. I would be delighted for yeah. one thing. And. Uh, all the effects are done really well. Yeah. Aren't they? Like, I mean, uh, I, I guess they cover over things with animation and stuff. Right. But everything's done really, really well. Yeah, it's all, it, it all seems like it fits in that world. Yeah. Nothing yeah. seems out of place. I think I'm just going to crack a beer open. Sure. We have to have that in every episode. Don't <laughs> sure. I? Um, so I think I've always thought that people... I was a fan of old-fashioned Doctor Who when I was a teenager, right? And sure, everyone always me said, too. Me everyone too. always said to me, the special effects are so bad, they're unrealistic. And so, mm. sometimes they are, it's true, right? Mm. But to me, the role of special effects isn't to be realistic, right? Mm. Because what is that? CGI mm. doesn't look realistic. Mm. It's, just a, it's just a convention that we've come to accept, isn't it? Mm. Right. And it won't look realistic to future generations, mm. right. probably. Mm. Right. Who knows? But um, but so to me, this is like all these strange things are happening, but mm. there's a kind of stylistic consistency mm. to this yes. film, isn't there? Yeah. And the special effects create this weird world of kind of technical cartoon gothic. Mm. They don't have to be realistic. He's not trying to say that they're realistic. No. He's just taking you into this world where this is yeah. what's happening and not something else. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. To, to me, the special effects work really well in this film. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How seriously, though, do we take the fact that this is um, about the trauma of World War Two and that this ghost is devouring these young women because of this sort of jealousy that she could never get married because her husband was killed in the war? I do think it's really interesting that Obayashi said... Is it Obayashi? That he said that all of his childhood friends died yeah. in Hiroshima. That's in kind of incredible that he survived. And you've got to think that's got to have some indelible mark on the guy. So I don't know. I, I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to read much into that, though, into the film. I mean, if yeah. you are making a big summer blockbuster, you want a slight element of seriousness just to, just to bait the critics a little right, bit. Right, sure. Yeah. So is, is it that, or is it this very sincere reference to that? Right. Could this film have ever been a big summer blockbuster, though? Well, app- think it... apparently it was a hit in Japan. Yeah. Apparently the critics hated it in Japan, yeah. but yeah. the audiences responded to it quite well, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Young people especially, I mm-hmm. believe. 
Which is completely understandable. Yeah, I mean, he knew his audience. Apparently, so, they uh, the critics didn't like the title House, you know, the use of English. Oh, and that was on purpose, though. He was screwing yeah. with them. He yeah. was, like, being taboo on them. Yeah. So that was interesting. Like, that's still taboo in 1977 Japan to, like, mm. name a yeah. movie after a foreign word or something. You yeah. guys have obviously seen that same interview that I I just I read a lot read of bits Wikipedia. Of it. I read bits of it, yeah. yeah. But in, in that same interview, he kind of talks about... I was thinking... I watched quite a lot of Japanese films, but some people's diet of Japanese films is just incredible, right? Right. And I don't know that much about it compared to what the vast amount that there is to know. But he he said that he almost made it as this... He wanted young people to watch Japanese films again, and they weren't interested in Japanese films when he first told his daughter about it. She Mm. just said, Hi, honey, I'm making a film. Japanese films are boring. Uh, was her response. Mm. So he wanted to make almost, almost implicitly this kind of patriotic gesture, right? To make young people care about Japanese films again. Mm. So maybe you needed that, those unpleasant things that happened in the past, maybe you needed to kind of touch on those. Mm. Um, but it, do, it does in a way feel a bit sort of tacked on, right? Like, you know, in Marathon Man, the way it's like... I watched that recently. Oh, did you? Yes. The way it's like, oh, but Dustin Hoffman's father committed suicide yes. because of the uh, the second Red Scare. Anyway, uh, here's Lawrence Olivier doing a weird German accent. Yes. It's kind of like this calculated thing to add weight to it. Yeah. Mm. But but given his personal experience, it's very possible that it's, yeah. it's not that here. Mm. It's very cool too that that um, someone should. Uh, how old was his daughter? I believe his daughter was preteen, like yeah, eleven like or 12, twelve or yeah, something, something like that. It's very cool to have to give the, his daughter that extent right. of creative input. I think they did. I think the uh, what's his name did the same with Shark Boy Lava Girl. <laughs> Wasn't that written by? I, I, I don't know. If, I don't think. I don't think right. it does as well. Beatrice really does like it though. Like it struck a chord with her, oh. so it's kind of interesting that yeah, that sometimes works. Well, it, if we wanted to go uh, high ground and pretentious, which as you know I always do, mm-hmm. uh, PhD Louise Bunuel and Salvador Dali when they were making Shen Andalou, oh. they were taking their own dreams and telling each other their dreams and anything that seemed to have this rational connection that could be explained, get rid of it. But anything that's just so weird that why is this even, this can't even be explained yeah. in any way, let's keep it. Mm-hmm. And it seemed almost like that, right? When you see that, I first saw a House without knowing all this stuff, but then when I read that, I was like, oh yeah, I kind of remember. Like, it was just a room in my grandma's house that seemed kind of creepy for no real reason. Yeah. Oh, except that for the, it had like an Aladdin's lamp in it, like an oil it was just an ornament but but you know what I mean like it, it does actually make sense doesn't it these childhood fears that are totally mm. irrational they're very um, uncanny very Freudian I think mm-hmm. mm. double bill do you have a double bill for this I do okay John well so like I said I just got annoyed with all these people on the internet going oh, it's like they thought he could make something like Jaws, but he made something weird instead. And there is that whole idea as well, which, I don't know, 
there's a whole idea which I sort of buy into by choosing films like this and by Tetsuo that I am how much I also mentioned <laughs> that we might do an episode on of kind of like Japan is weird in inverted right, commas, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I was trying to think of a double bill that wouldn't do that, that, that by this double bill wouldn't do mm-hmm. that. So I thought, well, what's another film that's really colourful, that's scary because it's got like an evil witch in it, and where characters only have one trait. Uh, and it's the Wizard, Wizard of, Oz, of Oz, right? Yeah. It's good actually one. the perfect double bill for uh, this film. Good one. That's a good one. I like that. I like that. Good. Raphael, you got a double bill on this one? Well, can you? would you indulge me? Sure. <laughs> I, I've come at it from a, a couple of angles, so I've got a few suggestions. Okay. If, if you don't mind. Okay, good, good, good. So let me get it out of, way, out of the way. The stupid, dumb, literal... Uh, double bill is the 1986 movie House, <laughs> which is a horror comedy. But I mean, in a, in a funny sort of way, there's yeah. there's something a. Is this an American film? Yeah, it's it's a just a it's a regular. It, it's a good movie. As a yeah. horror fan, I really like the movie House. Okay. But but also it's got this sort of comedic element, and it's got the the sort of the the ridiculous uh, supernatural characters who behave in a ridiculous sort of way, like okay. the like the the, the, the the bum chomping Mac head and stuff like that. It's got similarly silly things in it. Um, in terms of like mixed media sort of stuff, the mix of the animation right, and, right. and those sort of things, I kind of thought about a film that I know you saw recently called Dave Made a Maze. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kevin, it, it, that also uses, you know, in its yeah, case, yeah. it's sort of cardboard animation and right, stuff. Right, right. Um, a, a Japanese to go down the Japanese route. I thought of a, mo- a movie called Spiral from two thousand, which is kind of a uh, kind of unusual film um, about someone returning to a not not quite the same as House, but returning to the, uh, uh, their hometown and things are not quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sort of cartoonish element, and this might be an odd thing, but um, right at the beginning of Houseu. We get a scene of gorgeous in a square and then within a square. Mm. And there's this, all the way through the movies, there's this sort of almost comic book framing of things all throughout the movie. And the movie that I immediately thought of visually in that sort of way was the Mario Bava film, Danger Diabolique. Oh, it's so good, yes. 1968 too, by the way. Mm -hmm. Which, Which also has all through it this really, really, really sort of, um, deliberate framing of the scenes within comic book squares all the way through the film. Mm-hmm. So I thought of that as what's well, a completely different sort of movie, isn't it? But but I thought of that. And another, th- another movie I thought, this one might be a little bit esoteric, but has a similar kind of pacing. You mentioned before that scene with Mr. Togo tripping down the stairs mm-hmm. and then landing in the bucket and spinning around. That sort of frenetic tape sped up kind of kind of energy to it. Um, is the, I think it's 1960, um, Louis Mal film Zazie in the Metro, mm. which is a completely different film, but it's also about a sort of childhood innocence as well. But it's, it's done in this kind of very hectic pace of super slapstick, super fast um, uh, kind of way. Mm. And it's, another, it's a film that I love too, by the way. Mm. So there's some, there's some weird off-kilter kind of suggestions hmm. I want to spend a weekend watching all of them that sounds great <laughs> yeah 
Um, well, so for me, I, I, I kept on getting struck by a Wes Anderson feel to this. Uh, there was like a rainbow that I thought, oh, that's Wes Anderson framing. The film strip thing, Wes Anderson did. Uh, use of animation, use of stop motion. He does the swipe use uh, as well. I was thinking Grand Budapest Hotel, but you could probably choose almost any Wes Anderson film like that. But I also thought about like for like... You know, like how some movies have like a little five-minute film beforehand, like a little mm. animation. I also thought of this film I saw called Face Like a Frog by Sally Crickshank or whatever. It's like a five-minute, but it has that weird flowiness to it. It also has Danny Elfman like throws in like a little song about don't go in the basement, but it's taking place in a weird haunted house, right? So I kind of, I had that same kind of feel. And at the end of the movie, House... There's like the credits going up into this tongue that reminded me mm. of this this short animation called Face Like a Frog by Sally Cruikshank. Um, and the other one I thought was like hitting things on the head, like the Wizard of Oz or with the characters like Gorgeous and Fantasy and Melody was the movie Seven. Because everyone <laughs> is like killed off because of their <laughs> wrong thing. <laughs> So I thought, oh yeah, Brad Pitt, Seven, Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah, that's kind of like it. I thought you were going to say Spice World. <laughs> oh, Spice World, yeah. No, but I, for, for my double bill, I'm going to do Face Like a Frog as a five-minute intro. And then you got to go watch Seven after that. Or Grand Budapest Hotel, I guess. Anyway. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're all really good choices, yeah. What's the other Wes Anderson film? The one with the, um, the scouts on the island. Oh, I have dogs? With, with Bruce Willis. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I've seen that film twice. I saw it in the movie theatre here in Dajon, and I can't remember what it's called. I love that film, though. I can't remember what it's Bruce called. Bruce Willis? Yeah, Bruce Willis is in it, isn't he? Yeah, there's like a little boy. And in Francis then, McDormand. And then a girl, and he like runs away from his scouting trip to go and be with yeah. this girl who he's been writing to. Yeah. And oh. it's got Benjamin Britten music all through it. It's got loads of great music, and Bob Balaban is in it, and Bill oh, Murray I, I is in it. I They're missed all, it. It's just a I Wes Anderson it. Never film. Mind. It's never like mind. every other Wes yeah, Anderson. That's right. that's right. I'm watching it tomorrow. Like, um, oh, it's great. But it's, it's, yeah. I'm not particularly a fan of his, right? But right. It's, it's kind of interesting that you Boo. mentioned that because. <laughs> just kidding. Boo to you. But House is huge with people, younger people. I'm right. Younger. Mm movie fans got a cult following yeah have really taken to this yeah. it seems it seems like Wes Anderson must have seen this film like there's it felt so strong to me like that he the framing yeah. of it, it seems so much if you look at a list of Wes Anderson's favorite films as I have done yeah it's a very boring orthodox <laughs> I went to film school uh, right. list of films Citizen Kane is a it, good movie it's that yeah, kind of thing okay. yeah so I don't right. maybe he has but okay I don't know. interesting I mean, maybe he has since it, since it got a kind of DVD, Blu-ray release. Oh, yeah. About, I, I don't know when exactly, but this century, that's mm. when younger people have rediscovered it. Huh. I bet the guy who made Dave Made a Maze has seen it. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've certainly seen it now, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic film. All right, next week, Raphael, what are we watching? Okay, yeah. so <laughs> I've thought long and hard of this. I find this so difficult. I go through a million options and I weigh everything. I, I've chosen something because I think, it's, I think it's a genre or subgenre that we were going to get to at some point. So I'm going to get there now. And Is actually, it pornography? <laughs> oh, damn. 
Um, you should be cracking a beer when you say that. <laughs> uh, well, that's a that's pretty broad genre, which is some genre of pornography job. Uh, never mind. Let's not go there. Yeah. Uh, and 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 Kevin, you yeah. recently saw a film by this director, mm. and you really liked it. So Suspiria. Kevin saw Suspiria by yeah. Dario Argento. Okay. So I'm going to go to the Giallo film. Okay. Uh, the the Italian the the subgenre of thriller the Italian thriller movie called Giallo which is a type of a type of thriller with certain ingredients and I'm going to pick Dario Argento's The Bird with the Crystal Plumage oh yes oh yeah. it's good We're, it's good I'm in for a good ride Who, who's bringing the J and B whiskey <laughs> yes well yeah okay we, we should have that for when we, we talk should about have it. some J and B we whiskey. should have absolutely should have some J and B whiskey. We should also have some black gloves and <laughs> some oh, heavy misogyny. And <laughs> I've got some black gloves. I won't bring the heavy misogyny, but I will bring um, the black leather gloves. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a... Look, we, what have we done so far? We've done, we've done Raw, we've done Song of Summer, we've done The Swimmer, and we've done um, Haosu. I think, it, I think it's not too bad in that flow to go to a Jalo right now. Okay. Bird with a crystal plumage. It's not 1968, is no, it? No, it's not. I avoided that by a couple of years. <laughs> okay. I think it's 1970, isn't it? Okay. 1970 or 71? Okay. 70, I think. Okay. Um, it's his first film. Oh, nice. Um, it's kind of a, it's a thriller. It's a giallo. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a fantastic film. Okay. It's, it's bloody good. I can't wait to see it. This is why I have you guys. I was, I was toying up some other Argento films after Suspiria, but I... You know, I was worried about Tenebrae. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. I don't know. So there are some other ones that are great films as well. But I think I think the Bird with the Crystal Plumage is a great one too. And it's got so many of the Jalo ingredients, doesn't it? It does. If someone wanted to know what that genre was, this is. It's not a bad start, is it? This is going to show you this or yeah. the, the girl who knew too much to marry a barber. Yeah. Are going to show yep. you. So it's called the bird with the crystal plumage. The bird with the crystal plumage. At the end of Suspiria, mm-hmm. if you remember, Jessica Harper goes into the room, the exploding crystal room or whatever. Yes, yeah. there's a a doll, there's a, a figurine of a like a peacock oh, yeah. made out of crystal. That's a reference to his uh... earlier film, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Um, the Jalo films, well, the, the 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 classic Jalo has an animal in the title, doesn't it? Like the oh, bloodstained yeah. butterfly, mm-hmm. cat nine tails, and things like that. Um, black glove killers. Mm-hmm. What, what are the other ingredients? Jane B whiskey appears somewhere. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of misogyny. Lots of red herrings. Okay. That's another. Lots Jalo of red herrings. Feature. A bit of misogyny. Lots of uh, w- off kilter dubbing from yeah. actors from all over Europe who yeah. oh, right, right, right. and yeah. then dubbed into English. Yeah. Crystal plumage isn't too bad in that regard, is it, from memory, from the dubbing? I, I thought Suspiria did well, yeah. pretty well with that aspect of the film. Yeah, you from just the have en- a couple. The English was okay. You yeah. have a couple of scenes, like yeah. Alida Vali, the dance instructor, yeah, yeah, yeah. is pretty obviously yeah, dubbed. Yeah. And Ugo Kier, is that his name? Ugo or Udo. Udo Kier, yes. Udo Kier, his scenes maybe are a little bit funky, but maybe not. Mm. Well, let's find out. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Next week on The Clues Critic, the bird with the crystal plumage. (laughs) All right. See you next week. Good. We're done. Thanks, guys. Two good episodes.
the in try again the intro and outro music has been brought to you by homeless sky that's homeless sky